It's starting now, the world in first person, a podcast where we talk to people from different countries, not a tourist, but a real local. Today, our guest is Christine from Norway, presently in Singapore. Hello, Christine. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's really exciting. Can you briefly present yourself and talk about where you've grown up and where you are now? Yes, so I'm a Norwegian girl from Ornef, which is a small town about an hour outside of Oslo. So I grew up there and I lived there until I was about 15 years old and then I moved abroad. At the moment I am 25 years old and I study in Singapore. Nice, you're from the southern part of Norway. Yes, that is right. So actually most of Norway is rural. We don't have a whole lot of big cities. And even the big cities don't really feel that big. So if you would have a look at my place, <laughs> you would probably think it was a lot further outside the capital than it is. But it is in reality only a short little drive from us. It's indeed very interesting. And you probably speak Norwegian. But is there any other language that people speak in the country or different dialects that are also considered a relevant language? Yeah, absolutely, actually. So it's quite interesting. The Norwegian language is very, very similar to both the Swedish and Danish. In speaking, I would understand everything a Swedish person says. There are only a few words and some endings that are different. And then compared to Danish, it's very similar in the written language, but a little bit more different when you speak. And then also within Norway, there's quite a lot of different dialects. Up in the north, we have an indigenous community called the Sami. That language is one of the official languages in Norway. And because Norway is so spread out, it's such a large country, there are really huge differences between how we speak down in the south compared to how they speak in the north or the west or, or other regions. Interesting. Just to see how it sounds like, can you say something in Norwegian, for instance? So it's very nice to be here in this podcast today or something like that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's very hyggelig to be podcasten din i dag. So I've actually heard that it sounds like Norwegians are singing when we speak. I don't yes, know. <laughs> it sounds like only one word connected by vowels. Yeah, I've, I've heard that too. <laughs> In that sense, it's quite different to say German or, or Russian, for example. Yes, I'm currently in Berlin and I may say that I'm acquainted with Brazilian Portuguese, which has some of these elements of looks like singing. The German is full of edges in other languages as well. Yeah, no, it is quite interesting because I think you could say whatever in German and you would sound a bit angry, whilst in, in Norwegian it's the opposite, that you could say the meanest thing and it would still sound like you were, say, you were giving someone a, a great compliment. Yes, and even if you're thanking, I don't know, Dankeschön. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, you don't need to be scary <laughs> no exactly even that sounds frightening and even i love you sounds really frightening <laughs> in yes can you talk to us a little about norwegian politics it's something that probably not many of the people listening to this will know about absolutely we are a social democracy and we are very known for having a very well-functioning welfare system 
meaning that we have really high taxes. But I think I can speak on behalf of the majority of the Norwegian population when I say that we believe it's really worth it. <laughs> it's in many ways a very equal country and there's not really uh, that great of a divergence in politics either. We have a lot of really small political parties, but in reality, they're not really that different. So we always have these broad coalitions of different opinions in the government. In the different parties, what are the relevant differences between them? I guess our spectrum is quite similar to most other countries. It's just that even our most conservative parties are still pretty far left. For example, they would still support a well-functioning welfare state and they would still believe that the state has a very important role to play in the economy and, and things like that. And all our parties are for free and legal abortions, for example, which is quite different to a lot of other conservative parties in other countries. I was reading a comparison between German states and countries and Berlin would be like Switzerland and the best one it's Hamburg and the standard is Norway. <laughs> it's pretty much the standard for a good country in terms of equality. Yeah, no, that's actually really nice to hear. And uh, that's my feeling growing up there as well, actually, that I do feel incredibly lucky to come from Norway because we are all given the same kind of equal opportunities growing up. And I've... Um, always known that the government and the system will allow me to do whatever I would like to do in terms of study and work and things like that. That's been really, really nice. And I think we have been the most gender equal country in the world. I think we still are. That's something that I'm really proud of as well. It's very nice. And enjoying a little bit this winter, at least for me, it's a winter mood. It's snowing. So let's talk a little about sports. <laughs> I talk to people from other countries and in Indian Pakistan, they talk a lot about cricket in China, table tennis. And so what can you point out about the most practiced or the sports that people follow the most in Norway? Yeah, so no surprises here. <laughs> we are very into winter sports and we do a lot of cross-country skiing. We do a fair bit of downhill skiing. We do a lot of biathlon. I don't know if you know what that is. It's that sport where there's like a cross-country ski and shooting. Yes, correct. It's a very absurd sport and there's not really a lot of countries in the world who would do that. <laughs> so we're not I only saw that following the winter games, but I'm an exception in Brazil. It's not the majority following winter sports there. <laughs> no, I can imagine. And it's a little bit strange because we're naturally pretty good at these sports because we live in a really cold country and during the winter there's not a whole lot else to do. But we still treat it as if these achievements are fantastic. <laughs> we treat it as if we're uh, competing against the rest of the world. But realistically, we're just competing against like Northern Europe. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. And do you practice some of those sports frequently? Yes. Yeah, so I was actually competing in cross-country skiing when I was younger. Yeah. And then also what is quite surprising is that a lot of Norwegians follow football and a lot of Norwegians play football growing up. But we're still absolutely terrible. <laughs> Our national team is not doing well and it has never been doing well. 
can you tell us a little more about cross-country ski, for instance, how is the ski and how is the ski different from the other modalities and how does it feel doing that? Yeah, so I think it probably started as like a method of transportation and it was a, a way to kind of move around Norway during the winter times. It is basically walking or sliding on like <laughs> two sticks and it requires a lot of like muscles and movements. So it's not nearly as fun as downhill skiing. It is really quite tiring for your entire body. But I always quite liked it. There's something about the struggle that's <laughs> quite nice. <laughs> it looks like it's very tiresome. Yeah, it really is. And like from an outside perspective, I really wouldn't have understood the appeal. <laughs> I wouldn't have understood why you would want to go through that voluntarily. But uh, a lot of us do and we pretend to like it a lot. Just a simple question that came up now. Is it possible to go uphill? I only imagine people going downhill or in a planned space. Yeah, so there are some techniques for that too. You do go uphill as well. You're supposed to be able to move anywhere. That is really tiring, but it's absolutely possible. <laughs> do you have some typical dishes and or something that it's typical from your region, your village? Yes, uh, we do actually. So I'm from an, an area where there's typically been a lot of agriculture. So a typical dish would be something consisting of meat and potatoes and maybe some carrots. The Norwegian cuisine is quite basic in the sense that it's a lot of potatoes, it's a lot of fish if you live on, in the coastal areas, and then also just a lot of meats and other things that you're able to produce when it's cold outside. What's the name of this dish? Our national dish is called uh, Forrikol. And uh, it basically means lamb in cabbage, and that's uh, our national dish. And that's exactly what it is. It's just cabbage and lamb and pepper that's kind of boiled together. It's very literal. <laughs> it is very literal, and it's not the most exciting. I must be honest and say that it is typically quite a bland cuisine. <laughs> So you probably also admire dash prefer uh, cuisine from other countries as well. Yeah, I, I really do actually. And that must be said about Norway as well, that we have inherited a lot of other types of cuisines. So we typically eat a lot of Mexican food or like a Norwegian spin on Mexican food, as well as a lot of sushi and a lot of Italian food. And, and things like that. But yeah, we do really appreciate a bit of flavor every now and then. I imagine. Let's change a little, or perhaps a lot, the subject. <laughs> you said that the country is very equal, and what you can tell about the religion landscape. I imagine that there is space for any kind of religion, but is there a majority of people following some religion? or people are not so much into that? Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good question because we have uh, traditionally been a very Christian Protestant country. And it is only in very recent years that the state and the church separated. So a lot of our laws and a lot of our practices are still pretty religious, including a lot of our um, family planning and general family laws. 
So these are actually still pretty strict and pretty conservative in line with the church traditions. So, but um, now that the church and the state are separated, then there has been a lot of pressure from the general population because as a country, Norway is quite secular. Even the people who do practice religion aren't typically that religious. And now that there's more migration and more people coming to Norway, like moving here for work, moving here for other purposes, there is a lot more diversity than it's ever been. And inside the Christianity, what's the most followed branch? It is mostly Protestantism. Makes sense. And they say that here in Germany, I'm also seeing more of that and perhaps Catholicism to the south of the country. Yeah, well, no, exactly. And I think you can really, you can really get a sense of that in Norway because Protestantism is supposedly a lot less hierarchical than the Catholic Church. So that kind of legacy is really has really stuck in Norway, I would say. Would you say that people are very materialistic or value most the feelings and experiences, etc.? Oh, that's actually a very good question. So subjective, perhaps. Yeah. No, but I I think that's a really good question because I don't think that Norway is very materialistic, and I think that comes from the fact that everyone is quite equal. So there's typically not really that need to kind of show off any type of extreme wealth, and people are very aware of the signals they're they're, they're showing off. So. That kind of show-off culture is really not typical in Norway. You are supposed to kind of hide your wealth. So I would say that if you walk around Oslo and you see people's homes, you would get the sense that people were living more or less similar lives. Perhaps similar and with the space to individuality. For instance, if you, you want to play trumpet, you can follow your way and then you can convert to another religion. Yes, no, that is absolutely true. There is a lot of individual freedom. But then I think like with regards to your first question, I still think that it is very equal and that people do generally live very privileged lives. So it's not a lot of extreme wealth, but definitely also not a lot of poverty. So I think people in general are kind of in the middle of a line when you compare it to other countries. And the fact that people and no one's really that poor and no one is really that rich means that there's not really any need to acquire like very extreme objects or, or things like that. I think people generally appreciate quite simple things. It is very in the region to appreciate being outdoors, spending time with family and friends, going for walks. There's really quite simple things. Well, for me and also the audience, to be able to see a little of that. Do you know some TV series or movies that represent Norway and we can reach to if we want? Hmm, that's also a very good question because I think the majority of movies from Norway and Scandinavia are crime movies. We are known for having quite dark humor. So a lot of the films you produce are generally quite bleak, <laughs> which I... I don't really understand it myself, but there's not really a, a lot of movies that kind of portray Norway in like a very happy or like cheerful way. If you remember some, you can send me afterwards and I add in the description of the episode. Yes, no, absolutely, mm. actually. I, well, we have a few 
historical movies about, for example, like the Norwegian resistance during the Second World War and, and things like that are pretty good. But in general, just a whole lot of like criminal movies. Talking about this cultural aspect still, what can you say about the uh, typical Norwegian traditions or commemorative days, uh, holidays in Norway? What really defines a Norwegian is how we spend our free time, our weekends and our, our holidays. We are known for really enjoying the outdoors and for going to our summer or winter houses. It is quite common because it's such a large country. It is quite common to have like a small little cabin either up in the mountains or down by the sea. And that is one of our favorite things to do. We go to these kind of simple houses and then we play a lot of board games and we go for hikes and we just spend a lot of time together. And that is what we call Hygge, which is quite, um, which has become quite a famous concept. It basically just means having a nice time. <laughs> But Hygge could mean um, like drinking hot chocolate with your friends inside a simple house while playing board games, for example, and uh, lighting candles. I would like to add this word to my vocabulary. <laughs> It is definitely a very nice word. It basically means you're having a good time. <laughs> this description reminds me of this book, White Night by Dostoevsky. It's a book about the friend zone, let's say. But the background of the situation is St. Petersburg, when everybody goes out to spend time in the countryside and the city is a little empty compared to normal times. Does it happen in Norway? Interesting. So that uh, that majority of population go outside of the big cities. Is that what you mean? Yeah. That definitely does happen a lot, actually. We really like our space and we quite enjoy spending time by ourselves. Going into the mountains or going out to the countryside, either to one of these cabins or just simply bring a tent is one of our favorite things to do. <laughs> So during major holidays, there's really not a lot of people in the big cities and we all are out on the oceans, up in the mountains, out in the woods, <laughs> something like that. Catching this hook, can you tell us some touristic places or some nice places you would advise a person that goes to Norway to visit? Uh, yes, absolutely, actually. I would say there's quite a lot of good places. I must first specify that if I would go to Norway, I would definitely go there for the nature. Cities themselves are quite nice, but there's they're nothing that special compared to other cities in Europe. But the nature is truly phenomenal and really, really worth uh, seeing. So um, the first place that comes to mind is probably Lofoten. It's quite a famous uh, group of islands up in the north where if you go there in the winter, you could see the northern lights. And if you go there in the summer, it is never dark. It's just complete 24 hours of sunlight. And you have these really, really uh, steep mountains and beautiful sand beaches. And it truly is a wonderful place to visit for, for foreigners. This description arises, a will to visit the place. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really hope so. <laughs> so what is the most special about Norwegian nature is probably our fjords, because you have an extremely long coastline. And a lot of people, for example, go on cruises or go on other kinds of road trips to get the most out of these fjords. 
And we also have really beautiful mountain ranges. And mountains actually do make up the most of our country. So there are some really great opportunities for seeing that. I think probably my favorite thing to do in Norway is to go to a festival up in the mountains. That is a really special, very Norway-specific thing to do because you hike up and these festivals are really, really small. There's only like a, a very limited number of people who are allowed to attend. And then there's just something really special about the entire dynamic and kind of the feeling of listening to music up in the mountains. So that's probably my absolute biggest recommendation to try and get tickets to some of these. This sounds really awesome. And what kind of music people listen in those occasions? Mm, I would say that depends a bit. We have a lot of Norwegian traditional folk music, so that's always going to be at least a few of the acts. But then more recently, we've also gotten a lot of other types of music. The Norwegian music scene has really, really grown over the past, I would say maybe five and ten years. So now we have some really, really fantastic Norwegian artists and, and musicians in the fields of rap and hip hop and rock and R&B. And that's something that I'm actually really proud of and really happy to see growing in Norway. So yeah, uh, mostly Norwegian music up in these music festivals. You perhaps may sense some random links. I can post them in the description as well uh, afterwards. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very happy to send some links. <laughs> What about your intended path? Do you want to come back to Norway or do you see yourself living abroad? I assume that you want to come back, but the passion with what you described the country. <laughs> no, um, yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So I moved abroad when I was 15 and I haven't really been back um, that much since. And it's not really because I don't like Norway. I really, truly like Norway and appreciate everything that Norway is. But it's also not the most... There's not a whole lot going on. And to put it quite simply, it's a really small place. So there's a lot of other bigger and different places to explore in other parts of the world. And that's um, that's been my uh, feeling that feeling my entire life that Norway is a very comfortable a really beautiful place but at the moment I'm kind of looking for something that's a little bit different or, or more exciting but I do think that when I get a little bit older and a bit less restless I will probably return and probably live there if I have a family just for the amazing opportunities that are there for for both the schooling and, and retirement and things like that Interesting. I feel like that as well. In the aspect of wanting to explore other places, it seems that when you know a different country than yours, you suddenly have the discovery that there's other place to go. Yeah, no, that's actually really true. And I think I had to move out of Norway to truly appreciate how good Norway is. Because I remember growing up in a very, very small place that I was always quite bored. <laughs> There, I wasn't as fascinated by it at all. I thought things were a little bit slow. Everything was very comfortable, but nothing was truly that exciting. And then I moved abroad and I've lived in China for a few years. I spent two years in China and then now I'm living in Singapore. And just the contrast, I don't think there's 
any country in the world that's more different to Norway than China is. And then to experience the complete opposite, I've truly experienced, or like I've truly appreciated Norway for its great qualities. You can only see the qualities of something in comparison with other things. Exactly. I think that's exactly it. And it always quite frustrates me going back when people are complaining about living in Norway and complaining about our living standards or our politicians not being up to par or things like that. Because from my viewpoint, Norway is extremely privileged and all Norwegians are extremely lucky. And I think it's a shame that not all people really understand that. And I must also say that I would really like a lot of Norwegians to see other things, just kind of understand that. A very important thing for me is the treatment of refugees. And I have always thought and continue to think that Norwegians should be a lot more open to others to explore and enjoy, especially because it's a really big country with a lot of resources. So I think it should be possible for more migration, <laughs> both in terms of work and school and refugees, of course. It's interesting. And this allows room to ask, what are your interests in terms of studying? Are you into these questions of international context, democracy, politics or public policy? Yeah, that's a really good question as well, actually, because I've always been very drawn to everything that's a bit different and everything that's global. I moved abroad, as I said, when I was quite young and I've always really enjoyed experiencing new cultures and seeing other ways of kind of organizing society. And I've always been very interested in justice and for things to be fair and equal, which is probably a byproduct of coming from Norway, I guess. I've explored a range of different topics and both my undergraduate degree and my current degree, they're quite broad. I now study international affairs and I used to study international relations. And it's been quite important for me to just understand how the world is kind of put together and how politics and the economy and laws are kind of intertwined. But I think at the moment, what really interests me the most is creating international norms and standards. That would, for example, include human rights. It would include environmental matters, combating climate change. Because I do truly think it is possible to reach agreements across cultures and across interests in a few topics. This is a far more complete answer than I expected. <laughs> I have some references from Norway. When I was a teenager, I read some books from Justin Gado, which is a relevant Norwegian writer. It's very mainstream, I dare say. I read Sophie's World. I don't know the, the names of the others in English, perhaps The Day of the Joker and Through the Glass. Yeah. And I discovered that Through the Glass is the second most read book by Brazilian prisoners inside prison. Really? <laughs> that is very interesting information. Where do you think that is? For me, when I read Through the Glass, I was 16 or 17 years old. And after I finished reading that book, I stopped to have fear of the death. It's something very interesting. And because it's a story of a sick girl, which is about to die, but 
she's accompanied by an angel that talks to her and he writes about those final days and the moment she dies it's not a bad thing it's just a transition and i totally absorbed that and i just stopped to fear the death or regard that as a necessarily bad thing i guess that this is also a sensation that other readers may experiment that is that's really interesting actually no i really like that you're saying that and actually on the topic of prisons you were just mentioning that that brazilians in prison read this book another thing that's very special about norway is our refugee system and how we treat inmates i don't know if that's of interest <laughs> i sincerely didn't know about that so i could not add that in my question row but this sounds very interesting Yeah, no, great actually. Okay, so first of all, our prison system is one of reform. So instead of being a punishment, it's more about reforming people to incorporate them into society again. People are really treated with dignity and respect. If you look at their rooms, they're very nice, very well equipped, and everyone has the opportunity to uh, speak to therapists to take all kinds of education in prison so that whenever they're they've uh, stopped serving their sentence they can come back and feel some kind of gratitude to the system and also not be judged by their previous decisions so we have a lot of experimental approaches we do have some prisons that are out on islands it is a way of making people feel like they live in a normal society So in these kind of prisons there's really no surveillance there's no guns there's no weapons it's really just a way of making people feel as though they are living in a normal way because Nuri strongly believes that the way you treat someone really reflects how they will behave later on so if you treat people as an inmate or a criminal that's exactly what they will behave like and if you treat them badly in a prison then they will feel some kind of anger towards society and potentially end up recommitting crimes uh, Norway has one of the absolute lowest rates of recommitting crimes and ending up in prison again for like a second time I've never heard of that I think it should be more published those experiences should be more known to the broader public I truly think so too actually and obviously it's quite a difficult question because when someone has committed a really really bad crime the punishment always feels like it's a little bit too soft because our prison sentences are really short and even if you've committed something terrible then you will still be treated with with decency and respect and I can understand that angers some people but on the whole I think it's a really really great system which is really good for society in the sense that we don't have a lot of crimes. By the way, I mentioned the the second most read book makes sense for me to tell what's the first perhaps somebody in the audience got interested. The first one is Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky. interesting. So what is that one about compared to the Yusengladera book? What's the storyline you say? Uh, yeah, what's the storyline? Okay, the storyline is about uh, young guy his name is Raskolnikov and he decides that it's worth killing a woman that lends money with high interest so he can appropriate himself of the goods and do nice things to the world he decides to commit this crime and just after committing the crime he 
starts to enter a spiral of psychological conflict. They start to investigate, get nearer and nearer, and at the end of the book, I'm giving the biggest spoiler of the world, he's convicted and serves his period in Siberia. But how the story is told, you follow him inside his mind and you start to feel the anguish, the regret, and the conflicts. It makes sense to be a frequently read book inside a prison. That's really interesting, actually. Even though you, you spoiled the plot, I really feel like I want to read it. Yes, the nice thing is the trip is not the destination. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. <laughs> Very interesting and interesting facts to know. Yes. And what about perhaps other Norwegian books? Can you recommend some? Yes. So this is in the same kind of vein as I explained Norwegian movies. We also read a lot of books with very dark humor and a lot of crime novels. So some really common ones are the Juvenalspe criminal series. They're actually really, really great. They're all placed in Norway, so those I really recommend. And then we also have my absolute favorite Norwegian author. His name is Anne Lo. And he writes these pretty absurd, dark, but very funny books. He kind of writes them as if he's speaking to a child and all his characters are quite immature, but they still have some like very deep and political meanings. And when you laugh, you feel like you shouldn't really laugh because the humor is so inappropriate. Like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's a little bit like that, but I guess it's just kind of rich and dark humor. <laughs> and people behave like that in the daily life, doing those kinds of jokes and so. Yeah, we do actually. I think we're known for being very sarcastic people. We definitely use a lot of irony and sarcasm, and I think that could be quite confusing to a lot of people. Is there any country that you know almost nothing about and you would be interested in, in knowing about, for instance, in future episodes? Uh, yes, for sure, actually. There are quite a few countries that I don't know that well. I have one class on international security and my professor always uses Vanuatu as an example of a country that no one has any relationship to or that no one knows anything about. So that would be really interesting. But I would also honestly like to know a lot more about South America because I have never been myself. Oh, it's nice. And it's quite a challenge to find somebody from Vanuatu. I listened to a podcast. It's a huge coincidence because they talk about international politics. It's a Brazilian podcast named in a free translation, Verbal Chess. And they always refer to Vanuatu as the glorious Republic of Vanuatu. And they frequently bring news about Vanuatu. <laughs> That's really funny. Poor guys. <laughs> we just make, make fun of them for not being significant in this world. but. They are. I just want to let all Vanuatus, or what, what do we call them? People from Vanuatu. I want, I want them to know they're, they're valuable and we see you guys. It's fine. I will pass the message when I record with someone from there, because I, now I decided that I'll, I'll find this person. <laughs> I really hope you will. I would honestly love that. And I would also really like to speak to someone from Bhutan because apparently they're the happiest people in the world by this measurement happiness measure. But I want to know whether that's just some kind of branding or whether it's actually true. 
Yes, I also listened to that. There's a famous Brazilian news program. It airs every Friday night and every week there's a theme. And there was a week about Bhutan and this gross happiness product, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I really can't make up my mind about, I really don't know whether it's just some kind of like marketing strategy from the government or whether it is actually a nice place to live. Yeah, we are getting to the end. And can you leave like a final message? And after that, can you point out a song that you would like to hear play it just after the podcast? I'm actually just going to go with that. I really hope that people will want to visit Norway after this. <laughs> it is a um, truly great place to visit. And uh, thank you a lot for having me on your podcast. It was uh, really nice to chat about my country and other topics. And uh, I actually do particularly miss it now that I'm not able to go home. So if this podcast felt as if I am being a bit sentimental, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> I am a bit sentimental. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. And for the song, I would like you to play Aha. Take On Me by Aha would be a great song because he is He's one of our most famous singers and he was just on the Masked Singer UK. Have you seen that show? What's the name of the show? The Masked Singer. It's where people dress up in these weird costumes and sing songs. I guess I didn't see that. It's quite interesting. I really recommend you to see like either the UK or the US version. It's really, really strange. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, one of our um, most famous Norwegian singers was just on the show. And his name is Morten Hattie. I'll go after that. And the song is nice. It started to play in my head now. <laughs> That's really great, actually. <laughs> I feel like it's a song that could be on Mario Kart or something like that. Perhaps there are those graduation ceremonies when somebody asks to play their songs. It's perhaps a good shot. Yeah, I think so. I'm definitely going to ask them to play that during my graduation. No doubt about it. Thank you for being here today. And thank you to all the audience for listening to this episode. And see you in the next edition. Thank you very much for having me on. It was really nice.